But ideally, most companies are going above and beyond that. You're not just paying them fair, but more than fair wage, you might also be helping them build infrastructure, build schools, build like do whatever you can to help them and their community, their culture, their family kind of lift themselves up. This is Evolve CPG, a community of purpose-driven brand leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. That's better products, better brands, better leadership for a better world. Thanks to you, our listeners, this podcast is now ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally. Let's not stop there, though. If you like our show, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review and share your favorite episodes with your network. The more people we reach, the more good we can bring about in this world. If you work in the industry, you can also join our online community where we're going further, faster, together at community.evolvecpg.com. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, founder and creative director of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow and scale their impact. You're listening to episode 100. (laughs) Can you believe that? We've already hit the triple digits. Go Team Impact! So, since this is such a milestone episode, I thought it might be nice to reflect a bit on the types of Better for the World stories and advice that we've been hearing on the show. If you're a visual person, check out our YouTube channel or go to the show notes and download the slides. So, here on Evolve CPG, we spend a lot of time talking about Better for the world brands, better for the world leaders, better for the world products, etc. So I thought it might make sense on our 100th episode to just pause for a moment and bring a little clarity to what we mean by better for the world. So you could define better in so many different ways, and you could define better for who, better for people, better for animals, better for the planet. But the reason I say better for the world is because ideally, These products, brands, and leaders that we're featuring so often on the show aren't just better in one way, but ideally they're striving to be better in many ways. As a framework geek, as many of you regular listeners might know, I love to find ways to overlap different frameworks on top of each other or pull one framework from one industry and and apply it to another. So as I was thinking about how I would break down the definition of what a better for the world brand is, I went to Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, which we talk a lot about on the show. And it's the idea that every company knows what they sell typically. They are sometimes a little loose on how they're going about operating their company or achieving their mission. And the area that needs more definition with so many brands is their why, their higher purpose or whatever. So using that framework of starting with why... And then seeing how that plays out in the how. So if, you're, if your why is we want to remove plastic from the oceans, then your how could be a million things. You could start a nonprofit where you're literally taking boats out in the ocean and cleaning plastic up, or you can create a product that builds a recycled economy, or you could sell something that's plastic-free and then donate money to clean up the oceans. There's so many different hows, right? And then the final layer is the what. That's where you get specific on exactly what it is you're doing or what product you're making and what the specs of that product look like. So that's the quick overview of the golden circle. Simon Sinek explains it a hundred times better, I'm sure, in his wildly famous TED Talk. But what I did for 
the purposes of this episode to define what we mean by better for the world, I used that same kind of idea, that same three-layer structure, and applied it instead to four areas of better. So I know it's not three, it's four, but I just couldn't help myself in including another kind of section here. So the why is the purpose. That's pretty self-explanatory, but we're going to talk about better companies and people and products that are better aligned with some sort of purpose. And then for the how, the middle circle, we're going to be talking about sustainability and responsibility because those are often tied to how a company goes about making and distributing their products, where they're getting their ingredients and so on and so forth, or if it's a food product or their materials, if it's a physical product. So those get grouped into the how and the what. In this particular case, I'm flipping instead of what being the the specific product they're selling to what the actual outcomes they're aiming for are. And if you're better for the world brand or better for the world leader or something like that, ideally your target what at the end is the actual measurable impact that you're making. So that's how I broke it down. Why the center of your circle as a better for world brand should be your purpose. We'll define this in a bit. How you go about bringing out your purpose, your mission should be done in a sustainable and responsible way. And then the kind of long-term vision, the outcomes that we want to bring about, the specific what we want to accomplish at the end of the day is an impact. So let's break each of those down a little bit more because it's still a little vague. And I kind of intentionally wove in these words that get thrown around a lot in business and in this kind of purpose-driven business space. So purpose, right? That gets thrown thrown around a lot. Some people use it in this way. Some people use it in another way. But we're going to talk about what I mean in a moment. Sustainability, you know, it's a obviously probably pretty overused term at this point and also misunderstood in some ways too. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Social responsibility. Everyone kind of talks about that, whether it's your corporate social responsibility or your ESGs or your whatever, but like there's a lot that goes into responsibility. And then there's impact, which is a vague word by which I mean some people, when I say the word impact, think maybe I'm talking about the graphics on the package and how impactful they are or something like that. But in in these terms, I'm talking about that's the meaningful change you're bringing out, bringing about in the world. So let's start with higher purpose. With a higher purpose, it basically means that these better for the world brands exist for a reason. They're not just a way to make some money. They're not just filling a gap in the market that didn't really need to be filled. There's a real purpose behind these companies. So not being fully inclusive in this first area of of better, which I'm calling purpose, is, first of all, most of these products are going to be for people. Let's just say maybe they're also for pets or something, whatever. Whoever your product's for, ideally your product or your, your company exists for the benefit of others, not just to benefit you, the person founding the company or the leaders in the company. Ideally, the company exists to help other people, whether that's helping underserved communities, whether that's helping people with allergies, get better food choices, you know, whatever. There's various ways that you can benefit others, but purpose-driven kind of better-for-the-world companies are usually out there to serve others in some meaningful way. One of the ways in which they can be (laughs) serving those people is by solving a real problem. So some companies kind of come out because or launch because they came up with an interesting solution. 
whether that's a tech kind of innovation or whether it's just an interesting product that they like or something like that, but they don't stop and think about the problem that solution is solving. When you start with the solution, you then go seeking a problem that you can sell that solution to. But in reality, what you should be doing is is starting with the problem. You figure out what problem you're trying to solve because then there could be a hundred solutions to solve that problem and you can test 5, 10, 20, 50, whatever of them before you decide which one to start with. But the goal is that you're actually solving a real-world problem that somebody has, not just making something to make it, not just selling something to make money, but helping someone out there with a problem they're facing. And then once you know what that problem is and you have this grand vision to benefit others, which hopefully is is the case, you need to have a clear vision and mission. So that that vision is what is this long-term outcome that we want to bring about. Like maybe we want to create jobs for people. Maybe we want to clean up the ocean, maybe whatever it is, but you envision what it looks like to be successful, you know, 10 years from now, hundred years from now, it just depends on how big your vision is. And then your mission is how you're going to bring about that change, how you're going to solve your problem. So you identify the problem, you talk about what it's going to look like when you solve it. And then you talk about how you're going to solve it. It's like your path towards that impact. So a better for the world company or leader or whatever is going to have a clear vision and mission in mind. Then in order to make sure that you stay on the right path and you execute that vision in a way that adheres to your values and such, you need to have clearly defined values, principles, and you need to act with integrity, by which I mean, if you have values and principles, you need to actually be reviewing them and making decisions based on them and aligning saying yes or no to different projects, to different partnerships, to different strategies that you could be going down based on whether or not that actually aligns with your values and principles. That's what it would mean to kind of lead with integrity. And then finally, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but I also included passion and commitment in here. And this is related to a recent episode to some degree with uh, Seth Goldman, who was the founder of Honest Tea, eventually sold the company to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola helped run the company and even expand the mission for a little while, but then they decided to drop it just because they need to to shrink the number of brands they were selling or whatever. And they went with different brands that were selling more or had more potential or something like that. But for Seth, that meant all of a sudden there's going to be a gap in the market and there's still a lot of ton of customers out there that love this product and need and want this product because there are very few unsweet beverages out on the market right now. So he just quickly jumped into action and launched a new replacement brand, Just Iced Tea, to fill the gap for all the people who are going to be missing their honest tea as soon as Coca-Cola runs out of stock on those products. That is what it looks like to be committed to your mission, by which I mean, not only did he build and grow a company and sell, sell a company and, you know, by all means, was successful at solving that mission and created like a whole trend in the beverage category of better for you beverages, But as soon as his key product got dropped, he was so committed and passionate about having less sugary drinks on the market that he jumped into action and and built another brand to replace it. So I think purpose-driven leaders, purpose-driven brands who are trying to be better for the world touch on these things. You know, they're trying to benefit others. They're working to solve a real problem. They have a clear mission and vision. They have values and principles and align to them with integrity and they're 
passionate and committed to solving this problem and bringing about real world outcomes. So that's kind of a snapshot of the better for the world in, in this area of purpose. Those are the kind of people that I've been having on the show and, and hearing some of their stories. So that might resonate with you, but we've got three more layers <laughs> so or three more areas of, of better. So let's keep going. So sustainability, this one, all these are near and dear to my heart, but sustainability is kind of how I found my path into mission-driven, into better for the world branding, which is what I do. So better for the world brands or leaders are going to consider the future. That's the main idea of sustainability. It's making sure that whatever we're doing now can be repeated over and over again for the foreseeable future without depleting your resources, without burning out your team, without, you know, so many other really negative things that can happen if you're not considering sustainability. So for the second area of better sustainability, I've got five bullets in this section as well. Again, not entirely exhaustive, but just to give you an idea of what we mean by better for the world in terms of sustainability. So the first one is probably things like organic regenerative agriculture practices. Like if you're growing ingredients or, or have a product made from ingredients that are grown, you're going to be using fewer chemicals. You're going to be putting nutrients back into the soil, not just depleting your soil. You're going to be doing all sorts of practices that make sure that the way you're going about growing that food or the companies that you source your ingredients from have practices in place that either will be neutral and you can keep doing them forever with no negative outcome, or they'll be net positive, which is the idea behind regenerative, to where you're actually making the earth better as you work the earth. So that's obviously more for food companies uh, for the most part, but you get the idea. If you're making physical products and you're mining precious metals, how are you going about that? Are you doing it in a way that's toxic and polluting the environment and such, or are you going about it in a way that is neutral or even positive to the environment? So the next bullet here is is circular economy and upcycling. So a better for the world product company, for example, like actually episode number one with Sandra Ann Harris. She has a plastic-free kind of eco lunchboxes type company called Eco Lunchbox that makes circular economy inspired kind of products by which if you're not familiar with that, it means that you're trying to keep as many materials in the material stream as possible. So if you're making products out of metal, you try to make sure that your products are designed in a way that that metal can be recovered again once that product is no longer needed. So she builds products that can be easily disassembled if they're made of multiple materials out of materials that are easily recycled and of high value in the recycling economy. Therefore, when you're done with her bento lunchboxes or something like that, you can just recycle it and it can become something new again. And then upcycling, you've heard many episodes on the show with people in the upcycled food movement who are taking something that would have been waste, like a byproduct from the manufacturing industry, and turning it into something of higher value. Like instead of just throwing it away or putting it in compost or feeding it to pigs, they're elevating it up to be a higher value product, something ideally going towards feeding humans is the way that EPA kind of chart of highest use of food is humans at the top and then, you know, animals and compost and other kind of things like that. But they'll take something like spent grain from the brewing industry after the brewery's done making 
beer out of it. Like I can't remember which episode, but Dan Kurzrock from Ringrained or the folks from Take Two were on the show as well. Both of those companies take grain that's already been malted or whatever into beer, but they take the grain after that process and then turn it into nutritious food like puff snacks or barley milk or something like that. So better for the world companies are finding a, a way to make more use out of the existing materials so we don't waste as much. Another thing you might see, and this is becoming more and more popular, is like carbon neutral, which my agency is certified carbon neutral, or even like going a step further and being net zero or net positive. I'm not even entirely sure if that's a term, but carbon neutral would mean that you've reduced as much carbon footprint as you can with your company, and then you offset the rest of it. It's typically how you get carbon neutral certified. And then net zero or net positive would be you're aiming for basically not having any carbon footprint or even leaning towards having a positive impact. So that might be switching to renewable energies. It might be planting trees. It might be doing a bunch of other things that would actually make your company net positive. So I know there's some companies out there, I'm pretty sure like Guayaki, the mate company, is probably more net positive. I would be willing to guess that Alter Eco, one of our clients that makes our regenerative agroforestry kind of grown cacao to make chocolate products, through their models, the more and more agro or farms that convert to agroforestry, I'm willing to bet that they will, if they're not already net positive, they're probably going to be in the near future. So companies that are better for the world are, are considering these kind of things. Like, where are we getting our energy? How are we burning that energy? How are we reducing energy use, etc.? For another bullet is zero waste or kind of zero pollution. So that's making sure that we're not dumping a bunch of stuff in the water, making sure we're not dumping a bunch of stuff on land, making sure we're not pumping a bunch of toxic stuff into the air. So better for the world companies ideally have little to zero waste at all and hopefully no pollution. But whatever they do have, maybe they're working on ways to reduce it or working on ways to eliminate it completely. And then not last but not least is they're probably doing something about the recoverability of the products they're making. So similar to the circular economy example I gave earlier with eco lunchboxes, where her products are first and foremost reusable. Instead of using a plastic lunch baggie, you can use one of her products, wash it and reuse it an infinite number of times, for, most likely. But when you are done with it, for whatever reason, it can be recycled. And then for things that are more in the bio stream for circular economy, like food, at the end of the day, once there's no more use for it, we can't upcycle it anymore, then hopefully it's going into the compost, not in a landfill or, or, you know, I guess maybe incineration or something like that might be good in some countries. But you get the idea. They're thinking of the end of the life of their products so that when you, the consumer or whoever is done with it, it can either be brought back into the material stream or, well, I guess, yeah, even compostable is technically being brought back into the material stream because you're adding back to the earth. So that's what some better for the world companies are trying to solve in terms of sustainability. And again, this is in the how section. So it's, it's a lot about how they run their company, where they're sourcing their ingredients, how they're manufacturing their food, how they're packaging their products, etc. So for the next section, responsibility or social responsibility, better for the world brands or, or leaders care for others. So that's a quick, short way of kind of describing social responsibility. But the idea is that 
you're taking everyone into consideration, whether it's your the people growing the food that you buy to put in your products, whether it's the people sewing your socks if you're a clothing company or whatever it is, whether it's people here in the U.S. working in your corporate office if you're a U.S.-based brand, et cetera. You've got to kind of consider how you're treating them all along the the way as you manufacture and market and distribute and so on and so forth. So for social responsibility, got five more bullets for you. I like <laughs> like having same amount of numbers on each each category, as you probably noticed. So first and foremost, we've got justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, which is uh, abbreviated to JEDI in this space. So better for the world product companies or service companies or leaders are going to be thinking about long-term and short-term things like justice. How are we reforming systems? How are we making sure that there is like fairness in terms of law, fairness in terms of how people are getting jobs, how they're treated in their job, et cetera. Equity, you know, we've got, you know, you've probably heard equality. Maybe you haven't heard equity. I'm not sure. It depends on whether or not you work in these spaces. But for equity, it, it basically means kind of fixing the system so that it creates equality by giving some people a more fair shake. For example, like if you've been marginalized, you're going to need more support than somebody who's had a lot of privileges. So it makes it look unequal, but it's the idea of making it more equal by giving other people more than what some other folks might get because they're already getting a lot. There's a classic infographic that describes that a little bit more with a fence line and some kids trying to look over the fence. I think it was to see a, a baseball game or something like that. And if you give all three kids, this tall kid, a medium height kid, and a short kid, the same box to stand on, well, the super short kid is not going to see over the fence at all. The tall kid didn't even need need the box, right? So that doesn't really serve everyone. But that would be more equality, but equity would be you give the tall box or two boxes or something like that to the little kid, one box to the medium kid, and no box for the tall kid. That's the basic idea. Okay, so diversity is in there as well. I don't think that one needs explanation. But it's the idea of you know race, gender, economic background, all physical abilities, like all sorts of things. We need as diverse work environments, as diverse boards, executive boards, leadership, et cetera, as possible to make sure that we're actually considering the needs of everyone and building a more equitable future by giving more opportunities to people and hearing their perspectives and bringing them on the team and coming up with better ideas, solving solving problems in a more holistic way. And then inclusion. If you don't <laughs> practice inclusion, then all that justice, equity, and diversity is for naught. Because even if you've got the best diversity hiring policies in the world, if when those people get into your company, if you don't make them feel included, they're just going to leave, right? So justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, or JEDI, is something that a better for the world leader, a better for the world brand is going to be thinking about somewhere in their business. And then the thing that you might see on a lot of food products or even physical products is this little fair trade certified symbol. So I'm putting this on the list too. It's like fair pay, fair trade, fair wages. The idea is that the world as we know it was built on taking advantage of poorer people by giving them a penny to work all day for something that here in the United States we're going to buy for $100 or something like that, right? That just doesn't seem fair. Granted, you know, you got to take into account 
the actual cost of living in different countries. So maybe in their country, you only need $10 a day to live, whereas here you might need $100 a day or $1,000 a day or whatever. But the idea is that you're paying them at least a fair living wage in their cost of living wherever they live. But ideally, most companies are going above and beyond that. You're not just paying them fair, but more than fair wage, you might also be helping them build infrastructure, build schools, build like do whatever you can to help them and their community, their culture, their family kind of lift themselves up. So that's very important, of course, because if you're not taking care of the people throughout the supply chain, then you're not going to really have a company for very long because you're going to A, probably get caught for doing something terrible like running a sweatshop, or you're going to not have a workforce because you're not paying them well enough. And, you know, as soon as somebody else is offering a better wage, you know, so on and so forth. And we're not going to be building up the economies in these other countries that we depend on. So another note here kind of related to that is safe working conditions. So we've all heard of the, you know, sweatshop or whatever kind of conditions where people are maybe making clothing and some country like Bangladesh or something like that and just getting poisoned from all the chemicals and everything else they're working with day in and day out or equipment that's faulty and people getting injured or places that aren't fire safe and some fire breaks out and people can't get out of the building. There's just all sorts of things that a company that's not paying close enough attention can get themselves caught up in something like that real quick. But a better for the world brand or leader is going to be thinking about making sure wherever your people are, they're in safe working conditions. And then another bullet here is worker first benefits and policies. And so by that, I mean, wherever your team members, your workers or whatever are, you're setting up policies and practices that take care of them. And if you're taking care of those team members, they're going to hopefully take care of your business and they're going to therefore take care of your customers, your consumers or whoever. And it's a nice virtuous cycle it keeps everything moving. But if you're not taking care of your workers, they're going to get burnt out. They're going to quit. They're going to leave. You're going to have to hire new people. You're going to have to train new people. You're going to have to do all this other stuff that's just bad for business, bad for the world, et cetera. So worker first benefits might just be things like Dr. Bronner's paying, like having a above minimum wage minimum for all their workers, giving them great health care benefits, giving them time off, doing all sorts of things that support their workers at every level, not just executives or managers but everyone there is being taken care of. And that's what a better for the world company looks like. And then lastly, good governance. So, you know, we've all heard nightmare stories of big companies having big scandals because they've had some major sexual harassment going on in their company culture for decades or whatever. But then, you know, something really horrible happens or comes out in the, in the news. We've heard of companies that just mismanage their finances or they pay huge executive bonuses and don't give the lower level team members raises or, you know, there's just so many areas that can go wrong when you don't have good governance in a company, people who are looking to take care of other people and systems that are set up to support everyone in the company, not just the, the leaders or not just the executives. So better for the world companies are doing all these things. They're paying attention to, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. They're paying fair wages, uh, practicing fair trade. They have safe working conditions. They're putting in worker-first benefits and policies. They, and they have good governance and you know a lot more. But this just gives you an idea of some of the 
better for the world in the area of responsibility. This is what those kind of companies are focusing on. And a lot of the stories you've heard on this show for the past 99 episodes. All right. So the last area is measurable impact. So this means that a company is prioritizing the greater good. They're not just out there to scale their business, increase their valuation, exit and move on with their life. They're, these businesses, these leaders, these brands are out there to actually do something beyond money, which is usually some sort of positive impact, whether it's in the environment and the economy, on social responsibility or whatever it is, but they're trying to make uh, an impact for the greater good. So in this area of better for the world, I've got five more bullets for you. One is goals and measuring progress, by which I mean what gets improved is what gets measured. So if you're not actually setting a goal to achieve some sort of outcomes, then you're probably also not measuring your your progress towards those goals. And if you're not measuring your progress towards those goals, you don't know how you're doing and you don't know whether or not to, if you're on track or off track or anything else. So a better for the world product company brand, et cetera, would be setting clear measurable goals and then measuring your progress along the way. So you know if you're crushing it or if you're way behind. A lot of the better for the world companies will be also volunteering time. So maybe in addition to the impact they make with their product, like maybe giving kids with allergies a peanut butter they can actually eat or something like that. Maybe it's not made with peanut butters, but seeds or something instead. Now that has impact on its own, right? But that company might also then be saying to their staff, hey, you all get you know 5% of your time working here to go volunteer for other causes. Because sometimes what nonprofits or causes or whatever out there need isn't just another check or attention or you to share a post. Sometimes they need physical, you know, boots on the ground, hands in the soil, et cetera, whatever it is that they're trying to do. They need people who can actually come help them get things done. So volunteering time, volunteering your knowledge, volunteering your skills, all of those things are what you'll often see better for the world companies doing. And then there's an obvious one, donating to good causes is another bullet here. Better for the world companies are are usually doing some sort of give back program, whether that's something like the Yum Butters Buy One Feed One program where every jar that gets purchased, they feed a child in need, or whether it's 1% for the planet, which we've had a handful of 1% for the planet certified companies on, as well as 1% for the planet themselves. But that idea is that you're taking a, a set percentage of your company or your, your revenues and you're donating it towards causes that help the planet, for example. There's so many other models like that, but the idea is that people are donating back to good causes. They could be donating product, donating money, doing whatever, but just supporting some of those good causes in whatever way they can. And then usually this is the larger companies, but another way I see a lot of people trying to make impact is by doing a lot of advocacy work and especially policy work to try to get better laws passed or better support programs for small businesses or better rules and regulations around sustainability for corporations or whatever it is. But a lot of these companies are out there in D.C., on Capitol Hill, talking to congressmen, trying to help shape the policies, get better support in place for the companies that are doing things the right way and kind of even the scales a bit more, you know, back to the equity thing, like better for the world businesses are taxed by having to spend more time doing things the right way, having to spend more money doing things the right way, getting fewer government subsidies and other things 
because those subsidies were set up for kind of a broken system and, and the list kind of goes on. So the more we can get policies changed and get policies in favor of better for the world business, the more likely every business will become a better for the world business. But when it's easier and more profitable to do things the wrong way, what do you think a lot of businesses are going to do, right? So we need to support these better for the world companies that are out there doing advocacy and policy work. And then lastly, and you know, not entirely exhaustive list here, but lastly, a lot of the better for the world companies are collaborating towards common goals. So they're working with other brands, maybe even their competitors. They're working with other stakeholders like their suppliers or the manufacturers. They're working in groups like the American Sustainable Business Network who organizes some of these Capitol Hill kind of policy advocacy events. But it could even just be a brand next to them on the shelf and they're doing some sort of campaign together to grow awareness around regenerative agriculture or something like that. But they're usually a more collaborative business because for a better for the world business, it's not just about growing your revenues. It's about the cause. It's about the impact. So why not collaborate with other people working on a similar cause? So again, fourth area of of defining what we mean by better for the world. And this area was impact, things like goals and measuring progress, volunteering time, donating to good causes, advocacy and policy work, collaborating towards common goals. So to summarize, what we mean when we say we spread stories and support better for the world brands or better for the world leaders or better for the world products, we mean purpose-driven, we mean sustainable, we mean responsible, we mean impactful. It's these things that we're striving for as a community of better for the world companies. We want to make progress in each of these areas. Some of the companies we feature might be really doing super well in one area and a little weaker in others, but the idea is that we're working towards this kind of holistic view of what a better for the world business is. So not just better for the environment, not just better for people, not just better revenues or better strategy or anything else like that. When we say better for the world, we're trying to mean that it's kind of a holistic mindset of keeping in mind your purpose, which is your why, your sustainability and responsibility, which is your how, and your impact, which is the ultimate what. That's what we're trying to bring about in the world. So hopefully that helps kind of explain, maybe rejuvenate, maybe inspire some of you, but stay tuned. You know, this is episode 100, which I had no intention of starting a podcast in the first place, but we started a podcast and here we are not quite two years later, but on episode 100. So it's a big milestone. We're excited to keep delivering you some great content like this, inspiring people to continue thinking about how their actions contribute to the world, hopefully in a meaningful way, or you know, it could be in a bad way if you're not considering all these things. So pay attention to what your actions are because you vote with them every single day. Who you decide to go work with, which brand you buy off the shelf, which grocery store you go into, which brands you support online, whose social media you're sharing. All of those are you voting for the world you want to bring about. And if those actions aren't working towards the world you want to bring about, reconsider them. That's what this is all about. We're just trying to spread the stories, spread the news, spread inspiration, and support the folks that are out there, not only believing that better is possible, but actively pursuing it. So by listening to this show, 
You're part of the change and I appreciate you. So thanks for staying tuned. Thanks for listening to the show. Please share with your colleagues. Please give us a review on Apple or wherever you listen to the show. Any love you can give us, any hearts, thumbs up comments will help us reach more people, which will help us bring about more change. So together, we're going to go further and faster to bring about this impact. So again, I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on episode 101. Thanks as always for listening. Dig back into our episode archive to where we've shared lots of better for the world stories and advice. You can get episodes, links to products we've featured, and articles from leaders in our community at evolvecpg.com. And you can join the community at community.evolvecpg.com. Or to learn more about my design agency and how we're helping brands grow so they can scale their impact, go to modernspecies.com. Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, leave a heart, thumbs up, or review, and share it with your colleagues. As an ever-evolving show, we also love feedback, so send us your thoughts or ideas for who we should talk to next to evolve at modernspecies.com. <laughs>